Welcome to Amazon Legends, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became power sellers, also providers specializing in helping sellers, aggregators that acquire sellers, and former Amazonians will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here is your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My next guest today is a marketing expert. She spent almost 15 years in the business, working with major brands, large corporations such as Johnson & Johnson and Clorox, as well as startups. So she knows she covered the entire spectrum. She knows what it's about to build a brand. And uh, today she works with Amazon sellers, uh, building their private label for baby products, which happens to be her category and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today and when she's not working she's the mother of two of course she's still the mother even when she's working so her hobbies are all things related to family and uh, so with that everybody meet my guest Brooke Shapiro welcome to the show Brooke thank you so much thank you for having me I'm so excited to be here oh it's a pleasure to have you 15 years in the business huh for a yeah. woman Mother of two, <laughs> 15 years, that must be like 30 for you. <laughs> exactly. I told myself I was only going to be in marketing for two years, and I don't know how it's been 15 years since. So. This sounds like one of those stories. A friend of mine, uh, at the time I was living in London, and she's English, and she went to LA for a week over Easter vacation, and the next thing is, she's not back in a week. <laughs> and and we asked the family and they said, well, she decided to stay there. <laughs> and this is many, many, many years ago. She still lives in L.A. So when I spoke to her, she said the moment that she got off the plane, she knew she wanted to live there. So mm -hmm. she never had. So your two years. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That happened to me actually with California too. I was only supposed to come one year. My husband was doing a one year rotation for his uh, job in California in Oakland. And then it was two years and then three years and pregnant and you have longer maternity leave in California. So four years, five years. And I think I'm on eight or nine years now. So. Yeah. Well, my father used to say uh, home is not where you're born. Home is where you make a living. So if you, as long as you're making a living, that's your home. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about marketing to parents, baby yeah. products. And there are many advantages and disadvantages. And one of the advantages is babies grow up quick, right? So mm -hmm. there is a good chance that they can become a recurring customer where you increase the lifetime customer value. And at the same time, you've got challenges about how do you connect with these parents? So tell us what is the right way to, to market to parents? Yeah. I always say there are four ways that you market to parents. There's the pain points. There's explaining like the testimonials. There's the safety element. And then the cost versus value is also really important to parents. So, so those are the four ways. Pain points, testimonials, and uh, cost versus value. And also, one more thing. Safety. Safety. Of course, safety. Okay. 
So I understand safety. I understand the testimonials. I understand, of course, the uh, the cost. Pain points. How do you communicate the pain points to the the shoppers on Amazon? Yeah. For pain points, you have to really capture it in a few ways. There's the copy. So knowing what issues the parents might be having. So if it's for a newborn, you know, probably sleep. You know, it might be rashes if it's something with diapers. You may know it is um, education if they're a toddler. So there are just lots of different copy points that you have to think about that parents will be searching for. Like I was searching for the other day, um, headphones for my son because noises are too loud for him. So my issue was he was getting overwhelmed. So I was looking for products that could help with the child's overwhelm. So the copy is really important, not just, you know, the SEO keywords are there, but parents are really going to be reading it to see if they're finding what their dilemma is. Um, The images, so having images that are realistic. I think a lot of times on Amazon, we see the images are so perfect and polished and, you know, parenting's a little bit messier. It's not aspirational where you want to, be perfect and it's easy. It's a little more challenging. So you might have to show more realistic images of what it's like in parenting and what those parents going back to the pain points are going through, right? A baby crying or a baby, you know, finally sleeping, showing them what that is they need. Um, And then the other thing is videos. So having those short form videos on Amazon. So making sure that they seem realistic um, because Parents can just tell, you know, they know what's real. They know it's not. They're in the thick of it. Um, they are, you know, it's breathing, living it, especially because they're on leave for most of like for three first three months when they're buying lots of products. Um, and then the last thing is the advertising strategy. So making sure you have the right keywords to reach these parents, um, knowing what they're looking for. Um, you know, you can't do time zones per se, but at Um, A lot of parents buy products in the middle of the night, right? They're up in the middle of the night. And so thinking about, you know, what that parent's life really looks like and how you can have your Amazon page look exactly um, that would relate to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for breaking it down. It it kind of makes it easier for us to kind of dissect the subject and then get into each one, which is something I like to do, you know, take things apart and then look at each piece separately. So, uh, so we're going to talk about marketing to parents on these specific subjects of illustrating why they should buy your product. And uh, so um, you broke down the pain points. So we'll get into the pain points and then how to communicate that in those for in those four different ways with the copy and the text and the I mean the, the copy the images and the video and the and the advertising part and then get into the testimonials safety and cost um, against value how to present your value versus just uh, reducing the price so uh, l- let's jump right into it so let's start with the pain points now Share with us some examples, real life examples of how you communicate the pain points uh, in in your copy. Yeah. So one of my clients is diaper derm, which is a baby rash cream. And so we were looking at pain points of a lot of parents feel disappointment when their kids get diaper rash, like they're a bad parent or they didn't change them fast enough or 
you know, they've tried lots of different diapers. And so we would think about, you know, when we are writing the copy, you know, is your baby getting a diaper rash? How are they feeling about it? Um, the images we show is like, you know, the realistic before and after images. So you can see the improvements in their skin. Um, and then for, you know, for diaper rash cream, we ensure that the advertising set up properly. So we have the right keywords that will relate to the parents um, that the, if they're looking for diapers, they probably will going to, their kids are probably going to get a diaper rash. So how do we go after those keywords? Um, so there are just a lot of different ways when we think about the pain point when it comes to diaper rash and diaper cream that we, you know, think about how those parents are feeling at that moment, that disappointment, that scare. I remember I was really scared. And I called the doctor when my son got a diaper rash because I was like, oh my gosh, like the, what's wrong with his skin? Like what's going on? I didn't know. Um, and so it's just really important that you think about what those parents are going through because it's it's just such a new stage in life with parenting, right? You've never done it before. Everyone's so unique. It's not like grilling where it's a little bit more. I used to work on Kings for Charcoal, where it's more like set it and forget it. Once you got a griller, they're a griller for life, right? And everyone is grilling the same meat. So it's kind of similar. But for babies, it's such a wild, wild west of like, you know, what is happening in these parents' lives. And if it's their second kid versus their first kid and everything like that in between. You know, something you said about the, the diaper example, you made a, a statement, there's a question, you put a question, is your baby getting a diaper rash, right? Yeah. That's a great bullet, first bullet point to put as a question because that's how you connect because it's a it's a real question for a real scenario and right there you've got a solution but in order to present the solution you have to make that connection so that uh, question will resonate so my question to you on that is now we started with the bullets because let's face it, the title itself is irrelevant, somewhat irrelevant as soon as you land on the product page, right? So they saw the title, they saw the picture. So now you're on the product detail page. So uh, they're looking at the rest of the stuff. And, and the first thing that they're going to see if it's a desktop is the first bullet. Mm -hmm. And that's your opportunity to connect. Of course, they first see the pictures. They look at the pictures. Nine out of 10 people are looking at the pictures. How do you marry the pictures with the copy? Share with us some ways to do that. Yeah, definitely. A few things I just want to say, actually, um, for parents, most is on mobile, right? You're like, you notice something happens, then you open your phone. You're not necessarily going on your desktop as much, except during pregnancy, so when, before your baby comes, usually you have a lot more time and you're planning and you're preparing. Once you actually have a baby, so I, I do marketing for both. Once you have a baby, it's a little, little bit more reactionary, right? Like, ah, you know, I have a diaper rush. Ah, my baby's not sleeping. Like it just is a lot more, you can't prepare as much. So a lot more parents are actually mobile versus desktop. So when making those pages, you have to always make sure it's mobile first, I think is the biggest thing to take away. And the images are mobile first friendly versus thinking about it on like a big desktop where they have lots of tabs open, right? That's more pregnancy. So with that, what I also like to do for my clients is since many are startups or early stages is when it comes to the copy and the imagery, I also I like to see what I can use in other forms of marketing. 
I know this is a little bit of a throwaway, but I don't like to always just make content for Amazon or just make content for my other marketing channels. I try and make all my marketing work across as much as I can or tweak what I'm doing as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to Amazon, if my client were making their Amazon page first and then doing the marketing plans later, I try and think, okay, we're going to make this for Amazon, but what else are we going to use this for? Is it going to be on their, also their website? Is it going to also be a social media image and the post? Um, So I try and think of lots of ways that we can use that content, which I think is really what's been the success for a lot of my clients because so many people are, are using lots of touch points for Amazon, right? And social media is a channel to drive a sale on Amazon, right? Their email might drive a sale on Amazon. So I make sure that all the imagery and the copy can live across multiple areas since it takes seven times for a customer to usually make a decision at least. So um, I want to remind them over and over and they see it similar and similar again. Um, So I try and make sure all the copy and the images can also be used in various ways. So that's how I tie it together. Okay. So you said a few key things. I want to repeat it. Okay. A customer sees typically seven times before we make a decision. So that's one. So don't expect like, put it in one place and then that's it, or put it once and then that's it. So you want to maintain your consistency and appear seven times. The second thing that you said, it's, it's very important, is do not use different images, different messaging, so to speak, and different creatives across different channels, because that consistency will create that familiarity, right? So if you're posting on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever, uh, use the same kind of imagery as the Amazon page. So that way, when they finally land on the Amazon page, they know that was it, right? So these are these are extremely valuable because a lot of people may think, oh, you know, let's do something different for Facebook, make it special. No, 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 not a good idea, right? Yeah, I mean, you can tweak it a little bit, but you want to have it consistent. And so what I actually see a lot with my clients is... Um, they'll have an Amazon agency then they'll have a social media agency. Then they have an email marketing agency. You know, they have like 10 different people working on various elements of marketing, which is great, but it doesn't connect the dots and it's very sporadic. And so what I do is I come in for my clients and I joke, I do a cleanup job and I try and figure out how we can make things consistent. How can things connect the dots? How we can all be on the same page with our messaging across the board um, and so that it looks consistent and makes sense. Um, I prefer a build-up job. So it's you start, you know, doing it right. Um, but I also will do cleanup jobs um, like I'm doing for one of my clients right now where they have a bunch of different amazing, you know, talented people, but they're not working together. And that's where you'll see the sales come together once everyone's working together because so much gets missed along the way. Yeah, it's true. You know, this happens uh, right hand, not knowing what the left hand is doing. And and there is also, you know, I always say this, you know, it doesn't matter how big a ship gets, there is only one captain, right? You don't have to, he has a, he has somebody under him. So there has to be one mastermind, so to speak, that drives the whole marketing execution. But companies outsource social media to one agency, PPC to another agency copywriting to another agency uh, or somebody does that in-house it just uh, doesn't work because everybody follows their own agenda 
There's something else that you mentioned that's, I mean, these days it's a fact of life, uh, but especially marketing to parents, I see that this is more important, that you must design your product detail page. When I say design, make sure you put the priority on the content, whether it's the bullets and pictures, based on mobile, because most parents, I heard you mention that they all use mobile, right? Yeah, it's definitely more reactionary. You're, you know, doing, you're buying on the fly. You're not necessarily always planning ahead or you're just adding your cart as you go throughout the day. And then at night you might review it and then click, you know, buy. Um, that's something I see a lot too when it comes to marketing with parents is that it's again, more like continuous versus a planned purchase. Um, mm. Because in parenting, you know, I if parents are listening, like, you're kind of learning as you go. It's a bit more iterative. It's not going on my vacation. I'm going to buy this and we're great and I'm done, right? It changes tomorrow. Your kid's clothes size changes. They're in, they go through sleep changes. It's just a lot, you know, different every, every day, every few weeks. Um, so it's, it's definitely important to start with mobile, um, knowing that's where they usually start. Like most, I think most sites now are start mobile and then, you know, go to desktop. Desktop's usually higher price points, more comparison, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing that, that I'm thinking of as far as buying for your baby, even if it's not your first baby, it's not like you had the previous experience last week, right? <laughs> you forget. <laughs> You forget. So it's like, of course, you have an idea. You will be more prepared rather than panicky. You'll remember, you know, what had happened, like this uh, diaper rash situation. You know, if you've yeah. had it before, you've experienced it, then you're not going to be as panicky. But nevertheless, what you have to do is not going to be the same thing, remembering is not going to be in detail. You're going to again start doing your research in a maybe more deliberate way, right? Yeah. And in a, and I guess I'm going to say three things. One, so much changes. My kids are 24 months apart and there were products were completely different for my son than my daughter in two years, just because innovation is happening so quickly, right? Like with AI, tracking, smart devices, et cetera, right? So that was like, a lot of stuff was obsolete by the time I like came to my daughter. Um, two, if it's a boy versus girl. Um, three, it's anything that was easy for my son, like bottle feeding or sleeping was hard for my daughter. She didn't take a bottle. So I had to figure out all like getting, I think I bought like 15 bottles. Um, she didn't sleep. I had to get like all the different sleep socks. Like all the things I thought was like easy for my first completely changed. And there's just, again, different dynamics as you add kids too. So um, another one of my clients is called Canela Cane, where you put this device on your neck and it can hold the bottle for you. So if you go from two to three kids, your hand, two hands are full with your two you know, older kids and you need to feed this baby. Now here's another device that can feed your third baby. So the innovations, you change, you might be older, you might have moved. Um, there's just so much that changes every time. It's not necessarily set it, forget it is the hard part. Um, so you're constantly okay. having a client, you're constantly a new pool of people, how you remessage them, you know, if you, you need to have products that grow with them, or you just need to know, like, that's why Amazon can be so good, because they buy once they subscribe and save and they're done, because you don't need to have that email marketing relationship with them, right? Because your product mm -hmm. is just a moment in time. 
if you have a product that grows with kids or, you know, it might be longer lasting, that's when like your website makes sense and more email marketing makes sense because you want to keep messaging them. You want to keep, you know, having that relationship. You want their first party information. But a lot of times for baby baby products, it's great on Amazon because it's just a quick moment in time, subscribe and save. They're getting a lot of stuff anyways, you're there. Um, yeah. So I always, you know, try and help my clients figure out the mix of energy towards your website and how much energy, you, you know, because everyone pretty much has a website nowadays, right? And how much energy you put on Amazon and what those sales should look like. And because you don't want to cannibalize your business either, which is a a big question a lot of my clients ask me about. Yeah. So going back to use of mobile and communicating that pain point and then using the same example that is your baby getting a a diaper rash, then you would want to have an infographic of those pain points, right? So that would be something where you would translate the the bullets. Of course, you would have more of those pain points and more of the points that you want to make in your bullets, but somehow translate those bullets also into an infographic and then incorporate into your images, right? That That's another thing uh, that would probably help, right? Yeah, infographics are really great um, on what we can what my, like my client's products can solve for. Um, also comparing them to competitors when possible, right? Like our, our products have, I'm making up zinc oxide, petroleum jelly, blah, blah, blah. And then, but these products have 500 ingredients, right? So we can show how, how we're more natural. So comparing, you know, ingredients less to show anything natural. You can use infographic to show how much quicker it could heal. Um, there's just a lot of like before and after comparisons that you can use visually from the bullet points into infographics. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of success. Again, I hate to hammer this home, but parents are usually half asleep because they're babies in the middle of the night, right? And <laughs> so anything visual and like brainless is really going to be key than trying to read lots of words, right? Like they will read words, but also know their brain's half there. They're in flight or fight mode, right? If they have a super little newborn Um, So just like understanding where they are at that moment in time is really key. If it's a new parent or even anyone's marketing and understanding what that person's going through. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is really go easy on the copy, but focus more on images and something you said, provide before and after pictures of how your product is enhancing that baby's life and therefore your life yeah easier for you so it's not not so much like a problem like rash or others but also you could provide more comfort uh, more better life at the end of the day that's what it is so you want to provide those in before and after pictures specifically, and then provide as many of those as possible, especially I would say in the A plus content, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You definitely want to show um, images of how, what change looks like, how long, it, how fast you can change something. I always joke any product, again, back to any parenting product is really focused on how you're helping parents sleep, how you're helping parents save time how your parent helping parents save money, right? Those are all the pain points that parents are going through at that moment. Um, and so when you can explain that, you know, you're going to get more sleep because your baby's not crying about their diaper rash. Great. You're going to get more um, 
you're going to save money because you're not needing to change as many diapers. Great. You know, and so once you can figure out what all, again, back to the pain points, you can use that communication visually um, and images or also, you know, lightly in the copy that will set you up for more success. Yeah. Three things you said, sleep, (laughs) money, and time, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe everyone feels that way too, even without kids. (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, I'm sure you know what they say it doesn't matter how much money you uh, you have you always need more so i mean everybody but it's not like the parents i remember when you and i first had our conversation you shared with me how much it costs to have two kids in a preschool i mean my jaw dropped i mean i don't have kids so i, I wouldn't know but i mean it this is a huge cost so when p- parents say we we don't have enough money, that's more valuable than somebody saying, oh, I want more money, right? Yeah, I think they say now you're supposed to have saved $200,000 before your first child in order to like set them up for public, even that's just having sending them to public school, but having $200,000 saved ahead of time just for your hospital bills, you know, depending, your insurance, even with insurance could be $15,000. Again, you, it's really hard to get kids into childcare, right? If it's, um, there's no universal preschool right now. So either parents aren't working, who's watching your child, you're having to pay for childcare. Um, anything starting to save for college, you know, college right now is at $58,000 for even public schools, I think believe. Um, so $58,000 a year for college is, you know, there's your $200,000 alone. So it's very expensive to have kids right now. That's why, um, People are saying, you know, now it's like a luxury to have more than one or two kids. That's why people are having kids older, right? And so you may not have as much energy as when you could have kids when you're 21 years old. So that's why you're so tired. That's why, you know, your back pulls out when you're lifting kids all the time. Um, It's just a very different, you know, maybe you had IVF, which also if you had IVF, that cost you however 100,000 before you even had a kid. So there's all these costs, you know, with kids that, it's not a hobby, right? Like you have to pay these things um, a lot of times and you can try and, you know, get clothes from a friend, right? You can try and ask a a parent to watch your child. There are things you can do to save yourself money and time, but your kid's going to need diapers. That's going to be a cost. You're going to have to figure out how to get those diapers. You're going to have to figure out childcare. You're going to have to figure out all these things that really do have costs tied to them. So everybody listening, these are all pain points for parents. So focus your copy and your images and videos around these pain points. And these are big pain points unrelated to our conversation, but I have to bring it up. It's expensive to have a child. That's why people have one or two. So there is a question. People want to retire as soon as possible, right? So what happens when you retire? You get social security and all the benefits, you know, healthcare, once you are over the age of 65. If you have less and less and less people in the workforce, who's gonna generate the tax revenue to pay for those benefits? I don't know. I mean, are you gonna start taxing robots? (laughs) It it becomes a self-destruction situation because you everything is expensive so therefore you have less kids therefore in 18 years 
less people in the workforce. So everything becomes even more expensive. So there is no end and it just goes from there. And it's a very difficult situation. Well, I'd say that's why AI is blowing up right now, right? Like Uber used to be your stay-at-home mom driving you around. Now working parents schedule the Ubers for their, you know, middle schoolers, et cetera, to go from point A to point B, um, right? Um, there's just so more, so much more AI technology and parenting right now, like building friendships, connections, asking questions. Um, AI is supposed to be helping save time. I'm learning my AI myself, I'm not gonna lie. I'm saving time instead of writing emails every week. You know, am I, can I use AI? Um, some people are trying to use AI for their Amazon copy. I mean, I think there's a human element to that, but it gives you a starting point. AI is really going to change the world. And I think it's one of those things we all have to learn and we'll see how it changes. Well, I the, as we record this, is July 25th. And today when I was having lunch, I had the TV on and, and I was looking at, I, I, I watch C-SPAN quite a bit, and there was a hearing going on. And the hearing was about regulating artificial intelligence. And the government is looking to, to create an agency to mm. regulate AI so that it doesn't get out of hand. I never trust politicians, but uh, anyway, let's see what happens. Okay, back to the pain points. So talk to us a little bit about connecting your advertising strategy with your copy and your creatives around pain points. Share with us some ideas how to do that. Yeah. So another one of my clients is actually a, a soup brand that they're really great for helping moms postpartum. And we created videos and on social media um, that we would say, hey, you know, it's exhausting to make a meal. You need to get as much nutrients as possible. Um, having that video on our social media and we would drive them back to Amazon. So that was one of the ways where we were using one channel to drive to Amazon. Before I started, they just focused only on Amazon and only on social. But when we could tie the two together, we're able to generate more sales as a result because we were, weren't cannibalizing ourselves. We were, in fact, just driving where it's easier to, you know, from a shipping standpoint and everything to drive our sales. Um, so that's one of the ways where instead of thinking of Amazon one way and social media another, um, we were able to tie it together. Um, and then also we would have advertising on Amazon as well. Looking at various keywords that make sense for us, we'd look at um, our competitors' keywords. Looking at the flavors was really key for us to hone in as we have really unique flavors. And just having our advertising set up in that way, we were able to drive more sales um, with the Amazon algorithm. And I'm sure listeners know from an advertising standpoint, Amazon, it's a flywheel, right? So you have to get the flywheel going. And then once you get it, get it, get it, it'll start like kind of going on its own. Um, that's the way a lot of all advertising, in fact, now works nowadays too, is this kind of flywheel effect where it's a little hard in the beginning. You might get good results at first, then it might dip a little bit, and then you'll start getting everything kind of in the flow. I have something important for all my listeners. Sellers lose money on lost or damaged inventory with Amazon, which can add up to a lot over a year. Did you know that there is a way to claim all your losses? Yetida is the global leader in Amazon FBA auditing and reimbursements for Amazon FBA sellers worldwide. They deliver results with no upfront costs. They get paid only when you get paid. Visit www.getida.com forward slash legends to learn more and sign up.
And thanks to our friends at Getida, your first $400 in reimbursements will be free. That's www.getida.com forward slash legends. And that's www.getida.com forward slash legends. You know what I want to ask you, uh, if you've had any experience with the results you're getting on video ads when you are marketing to parents, is it more or less or the same? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think it just depends on the video. Um, influencer videos do really, really well, you know, because you're seeing someone else again in the thick of it with you. It feels real. It feels authentic. Um, one of my clients, she's the founder and a mom herself. So she makes videos, you know, of herself with her baby. So I think video does really well. Um, video first came out when I was leading Amazon um, advertising at Clorox. And so from like a very clinical cleaning standpoint, it wasn't that you know, we had a hard time getting people interested in watching our videos. It's not that interesting to watch someone clean a product, you know, clean a bathtub. Um, but if it's something where, again, you're seeing the video of before and after, or you're seeing the baby crying and asleep or whatever that is, as long as it's not too long and engaging, you can really see great results. Yeah. You know, videos these days becoming a, a mainstream thing. It's not even pictures as much anymore. And, you know, you put it in the best possible way. I mean, if parents are lacking sleep, they're not going to read stuff, right? So, and the pictures, you just look at the picture, uh, but video is engaging. So you're going to watch the video. So there's more opportunity in video. The other thing is Amazon is making videos a lot more dominant in terms of where they appear and, the diversity of them. And you can even upload videos to any product you see. So it's not like only the seller can upload. And I'm not even talking about the questions, answers, but you can go to any listing and right underneath where it says related videos, there is a whole strip of videos. And right underneath, there is a button that says upload video. So anybody can upload video. So if, in other words, so the message here is this. If you are not creating your own videos, somebody else or somebody else's videos, either in a negative way about your product or in a positive way to take away the limelight, so to speak, from your product, promoting theirs, it's going to appear there, right? So videos are key in terms of communicating your message. Yeah. And so one of my clients, um, a protein ball, we actually have asked our um, our emailers um, to make videos for us, you know, so that way we can have it to put upload to Amazon or asking them to make testimonials and make a video on Amazon. Um, the more we can get videos up there, it really helps drive our authenticity. Um, the testimonials kind of, like I said in the beginning, is also really important because people are checking to see, you know, what is like, that's the first thing I do is I always look at the testimonials, the good, the bad, and then decide if I'm going to buy it, Right. Um, so just having all those videos there, I might watch a video of someone using the product. I just bought a watering can the other day. Okay. That's how you know I'm getting old. You talked about me doing marketing for 15 years. So now I feel really old getting a watering can. Um, <laughs> and I was watching the different watering can videos over and over again. Like, oh, this one spills. This one, the top falls off. Right. And so you just, you know, the videos really helped me see what kind of how heavy it could feel with the water as an older person holding it, it was a younger person holding this watering can. 
Um, and so the videos just really help drive on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So this is a good connection to the, the next area after pain points is the testimonials. So make your testimonials videos as much as possible. So one thing though about making video testimonials, when people are watching these videos, generally they have their sound off. So share with us some best practices to keep the focus on the product itself while you have a video testimonial. Yeah. So depending on how we're, how, you know, if we're asking our customers to do testimonials or if we're asking an influencer to upload a testimonial for us, we ask, you can ask an influencer to put the captions over their video, right? So that way someone can read it. Um, it's all, it's already in your video file. So when you upload it, it it's okay. Um, so that is one of the things that you can do. Um, again, just making it super visual, like I was saying with the watering can, like very slowly, like showing, you know, all the different benefits, highlighting the benefits. Um, mm -hmm. But you have to, you know, it's a mix of really engaging um, for something that's kind of sometimes boring, you know, when you're talking about different product features or different um, colors or whatever it could be. So you have to, you know, either work with an agency or a content creator that knows how to, you know, kind of keep the, the pace of the video um, so that if someone sees it, it's still engaging enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you could, you could have the, I'm just thinking now loud based on what you said, you could have somebody talk about the product, but really you want to show the product and different features of it. And they could be in a, in a little circle in the corner talking, and then you could have the main area on in the video frame with the product indicating, you know, what it is that they are referring to with subtitles, of course. So that way people can see exactly what's going on with the sound off. Yeah. And, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, for anyone who's doing it themselves, you need to have a really clear brief, right, of what you're asking someone to create or, you know, about what you want them to highlight and what you want them to show. Because that's how you're going to know if you're going to get a good result back in a video where you're really happy or you get something back and you're not thrilled with it, right? So there's something called the brief that you write um, that needs to be crystal clear of what you want it to show, how you want it to look, the length of it. That a creator probably knows, you know, Amazon best practices, but they don't know your brand the way you do, is what I always tell my clients. Yeah. Well, when you mentioned that, you kind of opened the door to a whole subject that I like to talk about. Uh, not going to get into it too much, but when you are making a video for a product or whatever, at the end of the day, make no mistake, you're making a movie. So think about movies. First, there is a book, somebody gets the rights, and then that book turns into a script, right? That script turns into a movie. So when you're making a video for your product or testimonial, whatever the case may be, you have to write a script. You cannot just ask somebody to do this because they don't know. And uh, so you, you call it brief. Uh, and so I call it script. But you start, I usually, when I do the scripts, I start with how long it's going to be so that they can understand the whole outline of how they should lay it out. And then frame by frame, we describe, this is what we want. Start with the music or start with whatever. And then here and then pause here. Post should be so much and blah, blah. And then emphasize this, emphasize that and, and things like that. So 
making these videos, whether it's testimonials or otherwise, it's uh, you really have to put some thought into it, right? Yeah, I thought you were going to go with there needs to be a beginning, a middle, and an end too of a video, right? Because you can't kind of have it fly in the universe. It kind of has to have some kind of arc and framework. Like there's no like end per se, but it can't just be sporadic, you know, like right five times faster, eight times cleaner. Like you kind of have to have like, okay, here, here are short reasons you would buy it. You know, here's like short-term wins. Here's the cost savings, like I was saying earlier. And here's, you know, what the benefit is going to be in the future. If you buy five today, you'll get one free tomorrow, whatever that could be. I'm just making something up on the fly, but it kind of has to have some like pattern to it, I guess I would say as well. You know, you just can't just be like, because customers yeah, just yeah. can't handle that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like throwing somebody so many balls one after the other. So uh, whatever it is that you're putting out there, then indicate the benefits of it, how it's going to impact them in a good way. And then move on to the next one and the next one. And then I always say, end every video with a call to action. Mm-hmm. And but not necessarily. You, first of all, you can't offer, uh, offer coupon codes or anything like that. Uh, you can't make it time limited, like sensitive. It expires. Amazon, you can't upload those to Amazon. But um, there are other ways to do it. So um, yeah, so testimonials would be key. So moving on to the safety part. So what is the best way to articulate the safety and share with us some safety. Uh, points that carry a lot of weight with baby uh, marketing to parents. Yeah, safety right now, especially, is all about chemicals, radiation, heat over you know overheating babies. All those things are really popular right now. It's not a good thing, but like parents are starting to realize, you know. And so, um, a lot of safety features, like you notice a lot of foods now all have like less than five ingredients, right? Because people are reading ingredients more and wanting less chemicals in bodies. Um, Making sure it's like been tested and approved, having something that says pediatrician recommended, um, having something that has been around for a long time so they know there's not gonna be a recall on the product. Safety is really important. I launched a baby formula last year called NAMU and we were really focused on creating it. The product was a baby formula that was molecularly equal to breast milk. And so baby formula had the, the baby formula shortage last year. There's all the, cause there was lead in the baby formula. So parents are really, really worried about the chemicals and product. And so we had to make sure when we're making our um, content and everything that we really had at the upfront that the safety is going to be there. It's a safe baby formula. It's not, we don't have any lead in it. It's completely natural. We're using all um, natural, um, it was biomet- biomedically made. And so it was just using like yeast in a pressure cooker. And so long story short, we were just trying to show how it is safe. It's all natural um, and getting that out there to parents. So they knew why we were doing it and what the benefits are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a, I did in a few episodes, we had this long discussion about connecting with people and mm-hmm. Uh, connecting with people will happen based on core feelings that you have between people. And I had this seminar and the speaker pretty much listed and said that there are eight core feelings that connect 100% of the world's population. In other words, 
if you know what those eight core feelings are and take the, the ones that are applicable to your products and then you create your entire content around those core feelings, you will connect with your audience. And guess what's at the top of the list? Safety. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's it's so powerful, and especially in the case of parents, it's even more important because it's, I mean, the, the thing is, you know, my parents were doctors, and everybody in my family, all doctors, and my mother uh, used to say one of the hardest areas is, is to be a pediatrician because <laughs> anybody else can say what's wrong with them, but the kids can't. Right. Maybe you don't know, right? They just cry. So they cry anyway. So they <laughs> so- And same with veterinarian too, right? And, you know, babies and um, pet products are the one, number one, number two industries out there actually. Um, and then the third, I think is weddings. So, which then leads to babies, which leads to pets and babies, right? So it's all kind of cyclical, those three giant categories um, because, and pets are similar, right? And babies, no, you don't know what the issue is. Hard to tell. They're also smaller, right? So like putting, yeah. you know, and if you're trying to do blood work or if you're trying to fix a bone, delicate, whatever it is. De- uh, delicate, right? You can't do things with too strongly. And so it's very hard. So there's this constant uh, feeling of vulnerability for your baby is always in your mind. And then when you add safety to it, and at the end of the day, you know, you're going to buy a product and then put it in their body or on your on their skin. You want to make sure that it's safe. So, and you know, uh, Brooke, one thing I like is I like seals. I like creating seals. Like these are not necessarily official seals where you have some kind of a document that says you you have this but it's seals that say for example um 100 chemical free and you could turn that into a seal and you whatever your features are have you ever used anything like that and give us your thoughts about applying that kind of strategy yeah i'm similar to you don't always have to pay for it when i first started marketing we'd always pay the magazines like good housekeeping award of the year, right? And the Parents Association or the Eczema Association, um, because I worked on Neosporin Eczema launch. Um, So yes, I mean, maybe there are times you do want to pay for that, right? If you're going to get, you know, their network with it. Um, But you can also look at your own research when you're doing studies and data and use that as well. So, you know, anything like BPA-free, gluten-free, toxin-free, natural, some seals you need to have official approval of if you're going to say it's kosher or organic or um, something. And then there's a third one I can't think of right now, but you need to, you can have seals that kind of validate the key points that, you know, your parent kind of going back to the pain points that they want to see, like all natural absorbent, if it's a diaper, if it's temperature controlled, all those type of things are really important seals. Um, again, back to my client diaper derm is, pediatrician, NICU pediatrician recommended. So that's a really strong claim that we can have that a NICU doctor would put this product on newborn babies, right? Because they have the softest skin and very delicate. So that kind of seal, you know, is really strong for us to get, you know, our clients to to feel comfortable in in trying out our products. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I start working with my clients and we get to work on the imagery, so to speak, uh, I always say, look, we're going to have the, the main picture. And then we're going to have uh, use cases or lifestyle pictures. And then there is one section called seals. And I tell them there are two types of seals. This is all me. Okay. There's there's no like literature anywhere. Uh, I just came up with it. There's two types of seals, official seals, unofficial seals. So official seals are things that you have to have something to prove that you qualify for it. It could be your membership. It could be your certification. It could be whatever the case may, you know, the natural, organic, all those claims. In other words, the claims that you are making that need to be backed up with evidence, um, official evidence. Those are fine. I'm not referring to those. I'm referring to unofficial seals that I call unofficial seals. Unofficial seals, I give you some examples. Uh, I had a client, not baby product, but they sold pillow covers. And one of the things that we found by reviewing their competitions uh, reviews that the top one of the busiest listings in that category they were using zippers and the zippers kept breaking. So what we did, we created a seal with a zipper and a red line across it. And we put the caption under it, no broken zippers. (laughs) Now, that's not an official seal. It's an unofficial seal, but perfectly uh, useful to articulate the message where, you know, this is what my product is going to offer you. So therefore, and also it's a picture. So they don't have to read anywhere. So I'm sure that you can think of many other ways, but creating those seals And then, of course, you can create as many as you want. Just think of things and then make them up. And But you also ideally want to have a couple of official seals. And then you create a blend of them as a like a strip. And then place those under every picture you have. So that kind of enhances the trust factor all across the board. Um, Lifestyle pictures, infographic, whatever. Um, yeah. What do you What do you think about that idea? I like that, and I I I know I like this is Amazon focused, but I can't help as I'm a Jill of all trades with my marketing as right. well. Is like thinking about how you can also use that on your TikTok videos, right? Because it's now like an insight that you can make some Instagram or TikTok video for, right? It's an insight that you can write in a blog for on your website. It's an insight, you know, for your email marketing. And so that's why I think it's, I always say to my clients, Amazon's a tactic, right? It's one part of your business. It's an important part. And you need to definitely put your energy there. But there's that, it's like an insight tool as well. And you can use that from the testimonials and everything to learn about what kind of video content to create. You can use that information to make another video on your social media. And so I think, you know, your, your insights on the not broken zippers is really, really interesting. Um, we've done that for some of my clients as well. One of my clients, um, they're in glass jars and their competitors uh, comments kept saying, oh, come, you know, spilled every time. And we said, no spill guarantees, you know, like if it's spilled, we'll replace it, which we would have done no matter what. But we saw, you know, an uptick of people wanting to buy our soups versus others because they they knew it wouldn't come spilled. 
So there are just some things to your point about looking at insights and these unofficial seals. I never heard that term. I really like it um, that yeah. you can create um, to help your clients on their Amazon pages. Yeah. Great. So let's talk a little bit about cost versus value. So okay. explain what that means and how do you articulate that on your page? Yeah. So we kind of touched a little bit about how expensive um, parenting is, right? And so right. there's that element of it, but it's your child. You're not going to really like skimp on like something that could hurt your child. As we talked about safety, we're not going to skimp on something that may or may not work because you're so desperate and you're tired. So parents are willing to pay if it's really, you know, you can show that it works. For example, um, there's a baby product called the Snoo, and it's essentially a crib that shakes, and it's very, very expensive. Um, I made a bootleg version myself because I didn't want to pay for it. But so many people are like, you know what? I know I value sleep, and sleep is the most important thing. And if this is going to help me sleep, I will pay that. And their business, the Snoo has exploded. It was like the number one product. And now there are all these like um, improvements to the Snoo where you can track your baby's sleep schedule and their habits and their temperatures in the Snoo. All this, long story short, if you give parents sleep, they're willing to pay for it because if they get more sleep, they can do better at work. They can, they're not gonna be as depressed. They can perform better. So parents are willing to pay for sleep, as I mentioned earlier, which was one of their giant pain points. So that's why products like the Snoo, where they are giving parents back sleep, can cost a lot more and people are paying for it. And also, if you can show that, especially with baby and kids products, that there can be a resale of products. Like if you're familiar, there's a shoe called Play. Um, they were only website direct. But the point is, is if I buy something, I know I can sell it in a few months later, right? Um, because it's only a short por portion of time for my kid. So I'm willing to pay more for this you know, baby rocker because in three months, I can sell it and get pretty much all my money back. So, you know, cost versus value when it comes to parents is really key because they're willing to pay, but they also are in a crunch of payment time, but they're desperate and it's their baby. They're not kind of like I was saying with pets, like they're not going to do it half, half ass. Can I say that? Um, because they want what's best for your child, right? It's for you. It's interesting. One insight is I found, because I also am a CEO of a company called Sprinkles Parents, where I provide parents education, activities, and resources. And so on that side of my business, parents always have a hard time spending money on themselves, like paying for themselves to get a training because they think they should know how to do it. Parents paying for themselves to get a, a new sweater, you know? Parents are doing everything for their kids. It feels selfish to do something for yourself at first when you have a, a kid. But when it comes to your kid, you're willing to pay whatever, you know, that's why private schools exist. That's why camps exist. Um, people are just more willing to pay for their kids and, you know, needing to do something to help their kids success, because that's what parents job then becomes your kid's success, right? Is your success. Um, so you want to set them up for success. You want to give them the best product. You want them to be confident in their clothes. You want them to be, um, you know, having a great math, learning math and learning science, whatever it could be at a young age. So that's why all these baby products are blowing up. Yeah. Okay. So, so the lesson is don't focus on the cost in your, again, this goes in the imagery. It goes in the video, whatever, in your A plus all over the place. Uh, talk about what it's going to deliver for the parent to get more of what they are currently uh, suffering from, whether it's sleep or, or anything else. And also 
the, the point you made about resale value. So which one is better today? Spend $100 on something and then write it off two years later, you never use it, but spend $200 and then you know resell it for 150. And of course the cost is, that. of course that goes back to saving money, right? Which is another problem. Right, or something like just to, to kind of wrap this up too is like double strollers, right? Like most people know they're gonna have two kids or, you know, so they don't buy the single stroller. They're always buying the double stroller. So like Vista Baby and um, Mockingbird, like they're always, their biggest seller are always the double strollers because people are thinking about the next kid or they're thinking about if they share, you know, childcare with someone else, like a neighbor. Um, so that's like one of the things where you're paying more now, but you know, you're going to be using it for a while or, you know, it'll extend versus if you just get that one stroller for one kid, you're going to have to buy another stroller again. I made that mistake. I bought the one stroller and then I had two kids in two years. I was like, oh. I have to buy a second stroller. Well, so. this applies if you plan to have kids like one after the other, right? Yeah, I didn't actually plan to have kids one after the other. I thought I had COVID, but turns out I was pregnant. Same thing. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> yep, I was achy. I was, it was like March 2020. I was achy. I was tired. I was nauseous. I was sick. I like had to, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to like um, quarantine myself from my family. And then I went to the bubble suit people. If you remember those during COVID, you know, yeah. that were doing the tests. I was in New York at the time. And they're like, lady, you don't have COVID. And I'm like, but I have all the symptoms. And they're like, you're kind of emotional. Like, do you think you're pregnant? And I was like, huh, guess I am. <laughs> well, there are some people like that. Uh, generally, I mean, medical community, of course, but uh, also, uh, you know, older women tend to understand when a, when a young woman is pregnant. So they say, oh, you're pregnant. Before even the woman knows, oh, you're pregnant. How long have you? And then no, I'm not pregnant. No, 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 you are. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that happened to me when I was working. Well, um, well, that's great. So the lesson is focus on what your product is going to save the parents, whether it's sleep or money or time. Just focus on that. And the, you can't put a price tag on it, of course. Pretty much. So. <laughs> Great conversation, Brooke. So obviously I can tell you're speaking directly from the heart. You've experienced everything you're talking about yourself as a mother, right? Yeah. And so more. It's, it's not the uh, end more. Exactly. So let's get to know you a little bit. This is my favorite part of it. Uh, spend a few minutes. Uh, so tell us, uh, tell us your beginnings. Where did you grow up? And you know, share with us your some of your life experiences. Oh boy. Okay. Well, my beginnings. I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut, is where I grew up. I uh, went to boarding school when I was 13 years old, but I didn't graduate. But in order to find out that story, you'd have to take me out for a beer, Nick. <laughs> um, and then I um, I went to uh, Babson College because I knew I was always very entrepreneurial, which is what got me in trouble. Um, and so I. Um, studied entrepreneurship and I didn't get into the women's entrepreneurship group and I was heartbroken. I thought, oh, I'm not entrepreneurial. And so I gave, I frankly gave up on it. I had started a company called Sprinkles, Sparkles Against Cancer, where I was doing bedazzled bags while in college. And when I didn't get into entrepreneurship group, I thought, oh, my business isn't good enough. So then I was like, okay, what am I good at? And I happened to be really great at marketing because my mom growing up would always be the person whenever at the mall, they would ask people questions like, hey, smell this perfume, try this chocolate, whatever it would be. We'd get like 20 bucks for it. 
So I understood like all the questionnaires and, and quantitative and qualitative marketing in that way. And so I started working in marketing at a quantitative agency called Millward Brown. I was studying abroad. They sent me to Australia. So I got to work in two different countries, working in quantitative and qualitative media. Then I got married at 21, and graduated at 21, had a bridal shower, bachelorette party, 21st birthday, all in six weeks. I think that's always crazy now looking back on it. Um, and my husband was... Um, he went to law school, so I was working. So we lived off of no money. I commuted two hours each day for an advertising agency working on Coca-Cola. And at the time I was working on Sprite and we were marketing Sprite to babies. We were trying to reach low-income moms, having them put the Sprite in their baby's bottle. It was great for their stomach. And that never felt right. Like I kept being like, I'm not sure we want moms giving their kids soda. Like this doesn't seem healthy. And then a coworker of mine went and worked on Babies Are Us and said, hey, Brooke, you're always talking about babies, you know, come work on Babies Are Us and digital marketing and um, traditional strategy. So I went over to um, work on Babies Are Us for a few years. I kept positioning it saying, hey, we need to work, watch out for Amazon. We need, there's this thing called Amazon. We got to be careful about Amazon. And nobody would listen to me. So essentially, we went from focusing on in-store when I was working on Babies R Us to e-commerce as well, and developing partnerships that would directly link towards birthday cards, like evites and things of that nature. And then after that, I went to work on Johnson Baby because someone heard I was working on Babies R Us, and they're like, oh, you're the baby girl. And I'm like, I don't have babies. Like, I don't know. How am I getting in this baby, you know, pigeonholed of my career? And so I went and worked on Johnson Baby, Band-Aid, Neosporin, Bengay. Um, and this thing called Amazon came out and I kept saying, Hey, like, wouldn't it be cool? Like band-aids are so cheap. You can add to cart. It'll be like, you know, it's an extra 30 cents. You know, we need to hit the maximum in order to, you know, get that free shipping. So we started working with Amazon, um, to be like the add to cart product, add to cart product, you know, cause they were all such cheap items. And then after we added to cart on Amazon, um, everyone was like, Whoa, Brooke, you know, Amazon, like you, you understand Amazon marketing. And I was like, yeah. And so I went and worked at a startup agency that was focused on Amazon. And then I took a stint working on Taco Bell because every marketer wants to work on Taco Bell. I had a hundred million dollar budget working on Taco Bell. Like that, wow. imagine having getting to play with that. That's just digital media. That's not TV. That's nothing. That's just like straight digital partnerships, anything digitally related. It was nuts. It's every marketer's dream, but we are launching a product every three weeks. Imagine doing a launch every three weeks. So I learned a lot in that time. And I was managing a team of 30 people um, about launching products and what it takes and moving quickly and repurposing assets and just thinking of things across the board. And it was a really great experience. And I also learned about the cult of the brand. It wasn't, Taco Bell doesn't taste good. It's not healthy. It's not like you don't feel good afterwards, right? But what Taco Bell always did was like, they understood the brand. They understood your pain points. Like it's one in the morning. I bet you're really hungry, right? And I bet you like, it's really cool to go to Taco Bell. Look at this cool band that we sponsor, this cool experience. Um, and so I really learned a lot working on Taco Bell. And um, someone, someone I saw when I worked on Baby Zuras, ironically, was like, hey, you moved to California. We need you to help with Amazon at Clorox. So I went and I helped with um, Amazon strategy and advertising at Clorox. 
and was 50% on the brand and marketing and media business. And then um, I was working at Clark's for two years and I told my manager I was pregnant. And his response was, ooh, I'm really sorry. Your career is pretty much over, it feels like. And I was like, um, pretty sure you, you can't say that. And he also <laughs> said I gained a ton of weight and he was wondering why. And I was like, hmm. So from that moment, you know, and just all the babies arrest, I was kind of like, whoa, I need to help parents. Like, this is like, this is hard. This is my career shouldn't be over because I'm going to become a mom. Like, yes, my time's going to shift and my priorities might change. So I just started within my company, just, you know, having resources of like, here's clearly maternity leave. Here's how you return to work. Here's um, a lactation consultant who here's a sleep consultant and just like creating that community. Um, and we had an event on the, on the first day of school and I would just see all these parents struggling. And so I just started a Facebook group saying like, Hey, post pictures of your kids and 200 families right away at Clorox employees just started posting. I didn't even know who they were just word of mouth. And then I went to the organization and said, Hey, can I help parents? Um, and they said, I don't think that's a big enough niche. And I said, let me try. And on March 13th, 2020, we posted it in our like company's page about, can we help parents and employees? Would anyone be interested as a parent that wants like more support as an, you know, work-life balance and, and 500 people signed up because it was COVID. So, and all through that, like, I just learned how to like, you know, marketing to parents, whether it's through Clorox or whether it's through this group and like hearing them firsthand, like what their struggles were. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, it just kind of fell into play. And then um, 2021 Clorox, uh, I had to come back from my second maternity leave. My daughter wasn't taking a bottle. Um, I wasn't able to travel for work, you know, it was a pandemic and I had a baby and they were doing a round of layoffs. And so I left and started um, community building, you know, connecting with parents again, saying, hey, how could you, how can let's like have a brewery event or let's like do a trolley? Like, what are some things outside where we can meet each other and feel connected and not so alone and trapped in our house? Um, and then that turned into brands saying, hey, would you mind like doing marketing for me? You know, you obviously understand parents. You obviously have a network of 3,000 families in the area. Um, do you mind marketing? So that's kind of how everything, I guess, kind of has fallen the place for me. And, you know, I have, like I said, I have two kids along the way. They have um, genetic diseases called Charcot-Marie-Tooth and my husband too. So I live, you know, there are four of us in my house and three of them are handicapped. So I have to always figure out ways that I can, you know, connect back to my family, do something to help my family. Um, I, you know, I do it for the diapers of my family and I want to help families thrive. And that's why I, I focus really on helping parent entrepreneurs who are also doing the same for their families or helping brands that want to connect with families. Yeah. You know, several episodes uh, that, that we covered about influencers hmm. and you, how to use influencers. And the, the number one requirement is find someone who feels passionately about your product so that they can speak directly from experience. Now, that's good for your product to have as an influencer, but someone to work on your business to sell your products, you know, if it's baby products, to have somebody like you who has gone through life feeling the pain of, you know, being a parent and then also professionally understanding 
how to package that up into messaging and marketing. Uh, it's, it's a huge deal. So I'm not surprised that they came to you uh, because you are a, what they call, a, I guess, a community builder, community of parents. And at the same time, you know how to market products. So uh, I'm not surprised. So it's a, it's a very touching story, especially right at the end, what you mentioned, that, that where you, you want to do everything to, for the family. Usually it's the man who carries the family here. looks like you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think nowadays men and women, you know, household roles have shifted, right? Like both men and women are working nowadays, both men and women. And even, I mean, I'm in the Bay area, so we have lots of gay parents and 8% of all parents are actually gay. So two household parents, you know, you're just splitting work more. You're just more involved like dads are more involved than everyone that's why I always say marketing to parents I don't say marketing to moms um so knowing that everyone is just so involved in in parenting it's is really great but we've also I, I mean I don't want to go on a tangent but it takes a village and we don't live in villages anymore I don't live near my parents you know people don't live near their neighbors help, helping out because we're all trying to survive on our own no one's at home you know mo most women aren't at home anymore so there's just so much more pressures you know because we don't have that support system in place anymore again back to why and it's expensive which is why people are having less kids so you just you know I just I didn't know how hard it was when I was doing marketing those first few years and now that I'm in it I can see how much you know how hard it really is and and I, and parents don't always know where the solution is right so if I can bring the products to parents and parents of these products it's my way you know my to help parents thrive to make the world a better place because the last thing I will say is if parents are taken care of as my theory like parents are using their skill set they have a work-life balance parents are creating you know um, they have healthy boundaries whatever it is like if parents are taking care of themselves and doing well then their kids will do what better right because kids are jerks to each other because their parents aren't happy and it trickles down Right. But right. if parents are like able to be present with them and if parents are able to be happy and they're not stressed about work or, you know, absent parents, then their kids are going to do well. Then their kids will do well, which will make the world a better place. And so if I can help parents that will then help their kids, that will help my kids. Right. Because, you know, all the kids are diverse and can play together and live in this beautiful world. It's a win win for all. So that's why yeah. I do this. That's great. It's a great message to end with to everything that we talked about in terms of the knowledge required and your skills. So tell us, uh, how can people reach you, share your contact information with us? Yeah, of course. So you can find me on my website, brookshapiro.com. You can find Instagram as Brooke Shapiro, the marketing mom. And um, you can email me, brooke at brookshapiro.com as I'd love to meet with you and see how I can help you market to parents or you know any marketing that help you need. Great. I'm sure you'll hear from parents, no doubt, <laughs> because uh, you connect with them. So this was a great conversation, Brooke, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm really grateful. Before we wrap up, don't forget to visit www.getida.com forward slash legends to learn more and sign up to claim money for your lost or damaged inventory with Amazon. Your first $400 in reimbursements will be free. www.getida.com forward slash legends 
and that's www.getiba.com forward slash legends. Thank you. And this brings us to the end of another episode. And I'll see you on the next one. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the episode and share it with someone you think would benefit from it too.